Milik la Juventus è in vantaggio all'angolino Arek Milik al novantesimo tondo tondo trova una parabola perfetta perfetta Hello and welcome back to Serie A Spotlight Season 2 Episode 19 We're your host Jake and Matt Back after an action-packed return. What a Wednesday it was, bro. It was a beautiful Wednesday. Obviously, you had the privilege of watching more games than I did. I yes. was slaving away at the workplace. Yes, sir. Well, you was, were sick, to I be honest. I was sick, I was sick. So. But it couldn't have come at a better time, to be honest with you, because <laughs> I watched five games out of ten, which isn't bad. And while one game would be ending, the next would be starting. It was... It was like I was in heaven, man. Yeah. And in fact, I got home at around six o'clock and I watched two matches and one entire half. Yeah. And I finished work at 5.30. I think I was still going to watch two and a half matches. It's quite quite a, a beautiful thing. Yeah, not bad. So as you guys heard from the intro, our goal of the week was Milik's very late free kick against Cremonese to give them the 1-0 victory. Now, a beautiful goal, great hit by Arcadius Milik, obviously, but has to be said, the wall was set up in a certain manner that made it a bit easier for him. And maybe Karnasecki, knowing that at least there was a lot of space in the wall, should have made ground earlier and pushed yeah. the ball past the bar. Um, but unfortunately, that's that's not what he did. And then Juventus got away with a victory, fortunately for you, obviously. <laughs> Nevertheless, Arcadius Milik remains the man with the highest conversion rate in, say, uh, when it comes to free kicks with 33%. He has scored four out of 12 free kicks, dude, in Serie Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, Good. we know he can hit them. We, we remember from his Napoli days in Serie A. And, and even at Marseille, we've seen him in the Champions League as well, hit a couple. Um, he's very talented from that area and... It's good that Juve have someone in those moments to step up and take a free kick like that. And he's not, well, he's become a regular starter, but I don't think the plan was to bring him in as a regular starter originally. No, yeah, I think he was uh, meant to be like Vlaovic's backup, you know. Exactly. But um, he has done very well. And to be honest, it's always it's always nice to see a, a proper nine step up and blasting a free kick home. Yeah. That's, that's what you want to see. Beautiful, man. So in this day where you were, you know, laying on the sofa, mm-hmm. watching football. Of course, you were looking after our our bets. Obviously, yes, with communication between us, it wasn't yes. just Jake's decision. I called him and it was like, bro, to be honest, man, I see I'm kind of in the middle of something. Um, <laughs> like, Shit, what is there, man? <laughs> I'm like, bro, this is Atalanta. my God, my bum brother calling that fucking word. <laughs> What better we're gonna put it? Like, go, I have to explain to everyone. This man, this is work as well. Like, yeah. he's asking for bets because we have a podcast. Like, <laughs> exactly. we're on a podcast. We're not broke. We're totally not just talking for fun. That's what the, <laughs> this podcast is a front. You know, we're actually just having fun, and this is just in the background. You know, we can use this uh, as an excuse that we're working. Exactly, it's perfect. Exactly, and it gave us the. Like, babe, the you're gonna watch another one. It's work, babe. It's work, man. Prepare, you know, <laughs> what? What? We're just gonna sit on a podcast and not talk, like you know. I'm like, babe, you're stealing my youth. <laughs> <laughs> it's been seven hours. <laughs> it's a, it, it's a lot sometimes. It's bro. a lot. It's but aha, uh, the bets. So we started off terribly. Um, well, Milan Salernitana, we said that Milan would win and we got that one, all right? Uh, but at the same time, there was another bet that we lost. Yes, we said that um, Sassuolo, Sassuolo would beat... win or draw uh-huh. against Sampdoria. Sampdoria, by the way, are the team against whom Sassuolo have kept the, clean, the most clean sheets. Oh my God, okay. Eight and 18 matches. And Sampdoria lost their last four games before this without scoring a single goal. So Ooh. I thought that that would be a pretty safe bet. No Sassuolo fucking draw or win, but apparently yeah. not. 
Apparently not. Apparently not. So we lost the first round. So that was 10 euro scratched off (laughs) from Serie Spotlight's bank account. Um, After that, we also said that Atalanta would get past Spezia. They would outright beat Spezia. And they were held 2-2. <laughs> yeah, um, against a team that they had beaten three times in a row, scoring three goals in each match, by the way. Um, and Spezia, who were, by the way, at one point, 3-0 up before the VAR call <laughs> against Atalanta, hadn't beaten Atalanta since 1931, by the way. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, this is a pretty safe bet again. Boom, <laughs> fucked. Post-World War One yeah. was, <laughs> was the last. That's mad. <laughs> we then said that after giving Lazio all the praise in the world for how they are defending, how lethal they are going forward with Sergei and Chiro and Zakanyi and Felipe Anderson as well. They lost to Lecce 2 1. Mm. That was always going to be a, a risky bet. To be that was. And I wrote on the bet as well. Yeah, yeah. and, and it, it was, but the odds were good. They were at like two point something. Yeah, it was worth it. For that. Yeah. Um, but you think if, if you're competing top four, and I know obviously Milan were held to Cremonese, so on and so forth. Um, but Lazio are going to want to be at least getting something out of a match like that. Like, sure, it's a tough away game against a tough side, but you should be really getting all three points over there. At least a fucking point. Um, so yeah, I was quite disappointed that that one didn't go over the line for us. But then, but then um, Juve <laughs> in the last minute beat Cremonese, and Jake and I had a Juve victory with under five under goals. five goals. That's what we call a pussy bet. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the odds are just two. We take it like. literally, literally. Terrible gambling, but we got our money back, yeah. so we made 20 euros, so we broke even, and then we're like, wait, so clearly... We're cursed. We're cursed. Every bet that we're placing, except for the Juve, was just happening the other way around, eh? we're just losing everything, like, Spezia held Atalanta, Lecce beat Lazio, we're like, fuck it, so let's put, let's say Napoli are going to win the next game, exactly. so that Inter beat them, and bam, that's when exactly. that and boom. worked in our favour. More competitive league, thanks to us. Exactly, so we lost money. Yes. Quite a significant amount, actually, we, for, bet, for our betting euro. standards. Exactly, yes, for our betting standards, euro. it's a lot of money. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll be back, we'll bounce back, guys. <laughs> Look, if we stop, like, we're, we're pussy yeah, so no, no, we're going to keep going. We'll and even go if it's, it's a meme at this point, why not? Why not keep entertaining it? Exactly, exactly. Remember, guys, before we get into everything, follow us on Spotify, follow us on Apple Podcasts, and rate us five stars wherever you're listening. We're on social media, as you know, we're on Instagram, so give us a follow over there at Seria Spotlight. We're on Twitter as well. Uh, we're on TikTok, which is probably our biggest platform, so... Have a look, engage with us, tell us what you think, and this could be a beautiful, beautiful relationship between yes, podcaster and listener. Now, bro, you're very good at like thinking on the spot, you know, like... Um, you think? Yeah, really, really good at um, adapting, improvising. Like, So Thank how you. about you take those listeners right now who are in a bit of a rush and need to know what happened this match day through a bit of a journey? All right. So, I mean, they started at 12.30, um, the games and there were two fixtures uh, Salernitana against Milan Sassuolo against Sampdoria so the champions managed to beat Salernitana two goals to one away from home while Sassuolo shockingly lost to Sampdoria who were dead last two goals to one they made a couple of signings Sampdoria and to be honest they looked much brighter than they previously had Spezia held Salernitana two goals to two with Spezia at home and looking much the better side for a lot of the game. Uh, Torino won, Verona won, another team in the bottom three that's, you know, really pushing at the moment. 
Lecce 2, Lazio 1, massive step up for Lecce, massive step down for Lazio. Roma 1, Bologna 0, do it in classic Mourinho fashion. They score a penalty and then they defend all the game. Cremonese 0, Juve 1, a late Arcadius Milik free kick gave the Bianconeri a victory. Fiorentina 1, Monza 1, as I predicted in the last episode. Inter 1, Napoli 0, thanks to our bet. Milan now only 5 points under Napoli, so 2 games rather than 3 games to turn it around. And Udinese again being held by Empoli at home. Obviously, I think out of this match day, the highlight was the statement Inter made by handing Napoli their first defeat of the season. Inter were previously struggling, losing five matches out of their opening 15 in the first half of the season. But here, they really managed to turn things around. They had a fantastic performance. They beat Napoli. I've been insane this season. So I think that's definitely the, the main standout. Yes, sir. I agree with you totally. Um, I think before we get into all the matches, you have a few stats you'd like to go through of the match day. Yes, sir. We will start off with eight. These were the total number of shots taken by Sassuolo forward Domenico Berardi, who was first in match day 16's classification. Followed by Fiorentina number nine, Arthur Cabral, who got five. Cabral, together with Milan's Giroud, is first in terms of number of shots at goal. Three for both. Guillermo Ochoa decided that he wanted to stop hibernating every four years and actually produce performances on the great stage um, mm. on a weekly basis. He was the goalkeeper who made the most saves in the last round on his debut, actually. Nine saves for the Mexican, followed by Marco Carnesecchi of Cremonese with seven and Michele Di Gregorio of Monza with five. Napoli and Sassuolo were the teams that completed the most dribbles with nine, with the record holder being Armand Loriente, with six, followed by Rafael Leao of Milan with four. Very interesting, as always, brother. Your stats are my favorite stats in the world. <laughs> Thanks, bro. No worries. Shall we get into each game? We can start off, obviously, with Inter 1, Napoli 0. So... Inter lined up in their classic 3-5-2 formation. Um, Onana in goal with a backline of Bastoni, Archerby and Skriniar. Di Marco on the left and Armian on the right as wingbacks. Chalanoglu obviously had to replace Brozovic in the Regista role um, due to his injury. Mkhitaryan and Barella just ahead of him with Zeko and Lukaku up front. For Napoli, it was their classic 4-3-3 also. Um, beautiful Kind of dynamic over here. A classic 3-5-2 against a classic 4-3-3. Meret in goal with a backline of Di Lorenzo, Rahmani, Minje and Oliveira. Anguissa, Lobotka, Zielinski in the midfield with Politano, Osimen and Guevara up front. So no real losses there for, uh, for Napoli. None at all, actually. Yeah, man. And after 13 wins and two draws this season, this is the setup that gave them their first loss. Yeah. Um, their first loss, by the way, since April 2022 against Empoli. Whoa. Yeah. Jesus. And it came to Zeko, man, by the way, um, mm. who has scored 20 goals for Inter in Serie A, each of them after turning 35 years old, bro. Crazy, man. Crazy. Um He's honestly so underrated. I think for me, it's um, him and Giroud when it comes to that generation of players are, are the most underrated. Oh, incredibly. Of strikers, especially. Incredibly. And I think Zeko, when he made the switch to Inter, 
I think everyone thought he was past it at that point. He wasn't getting, you know, he was being benched by Borja Mayoral sometimes, right? yeah. a young, energetic guy. And everyone's like, okay, maybe he's falling off it. Inter will take him now because they're broke. They got him and, and what a coup he was, man. The second Lukaku or Lautaro is unavailable, the man is there at 35 years old. Like you said, very comparable to Giroud, man. Yeah. In his last three games for... Um, Inter, of course, mm. he has a goal and an assist against Bologna, two goals against Atalanta and a goal against Napoli. This season, at 36 years old, he's on 10 goals and four assists. My God. Yeah, this is a guy who scored everywhere he's been. You know, I mean, you look at his stats at Wolfsburg, 66 goals, City, 50 goals. Mm. Um, Roma, he's got over 80 goals, like Inter, My 20 God. goals. You know, for Bosnia, 64 goals. Like, no, he's crazy. inevitable. He's inevitable, Zerko. We watched him score live in that. Sassuolo game Oh yeah of course mm. Of course And I saw him score for Rome as well I think he's one of the players That I watch the most live <laughs> Wow Zeko. Uh-huh. But so- yeah it was a It was a ball in from Di Marco In the 56th minute Zeko got there headed um, It was a He was alone basically But it was a great run off the ball and To get into that position He very much attacked the header And he beat Meret who, Meret had a super game But mm-hmm. I think Inter overall did exactly what they had to do and more to win this game and I think they were defending brilliantly obviously they were really keeping their shape and they constantly had 11 men behind the ball and everyone no one put a put a foot wrong in that process however it was more their approach when when they were defending in that manner they were really picking and choosing their battles they knew when they should counter they knew when they should stay disciplined and stay behind their decision making was perfect and because of their low block and their low defensive line, it made it difficult for Guevara to do his thing, for Osimen yeah. to get in behind. Osimen was getting bullied by that back three, bro. Yeah. Inter, bro, the second they were out of possession, you're absolutely right. They sat back. They told Napoli, you go, take the ball, mm-hmm. come to us. Like, no 50-50s. No 50-50s, nothing. They just sat deep. And the thing is, Gvaratskelia attempted a few moves on the mm-hmm. left. He tend to cut inside every time and just hit a wall. Exactly. Every time. Exactly. Politano couldn't get into Politano the game. He was, he was invisible. He never got started. And Oziman was isolated. Eh? Um, in fact, you look at their, the moves of Napoli, like you see Anguissa, Lobotka and Zielinski in the middle. Those were the guys who had the ball the most. And of course, the, the fullbacks. They were trying to penetrate this fucking Inter team, like, like passing the ball around. And they couldn't. They kept losing the ball and Inter kept countering. It yeah. was a really smart setup by Inzaghi. Definitely, man. And a very attacking outlet in DeMarco on the left-hand side for Inter, who sometimes in the final third, his output was a little bit questionable. And even the commentator was having a bit of a go at him in the beginning of the second half. But, you know, he's in the right position, whips the ball in, Zeko's there, he puts the ball into the back of the net. Another assist for uh, DiMarco. And he had the ball so much going forward. I'm, I'm a massive fan of DiMarco. And, you know, Watching him do this at Verona was one thing, but seeing him doing it at um, Inter mm-hmm. in these big games and these big moments in the Champions League, it's it's a good thing, man. His his development is great. Mm-hmm. He's only twenty five years old. My yeah, I mean, God, man. I mean, twenty five years old. He's he's on the right path, you know. He's a Definitely. starter at um, at Inter, and he's displacing Gossens, you know, who in theory is yeah, a good man. player. Mm-hmm. What did you make, bro, of this Lukaku comedy show? 
Lukaku was funny, yeah, man. It's He's funny, funny at, at the moment, in my opinion. And he, th- this guy, th- the beauty of Lukaku is he can prove me wrong very soon. Yeah. <laughs> he can prove me wrong very soon. But right now, to me, it doesn't look like Lukaku belongs on a football pitch. It, it doesn't. He doesn't seem. He doesn't seem up to it. Now he had a few opportunities. He tested Meret on a couple of occasions. He was a bit more lively mm-hmm. than usual. But you give him and 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 he was putting the ball in the right positions. Yeah. To be fair to him, yes, his yes, link-up yes. play was good. Yeah, the great ball to De Marco. He the did. Stuff. He did. That's when Darmian missed that opportunity. That was brilliant play by Um, Lukaku. De Marco missed the first one and then Darmian missed another one after. Exactly. That layoff by Barella. Exactly. Beautiful. Long ball by Lukaku, layoff by Barella. Supposed to be the other way around, but whatever. I mean, it's true. He's better at playing the ball right now than he is at number one, controlling it, because it's hilarious how an aerial ball is played to this guy and he starts flailing his arms as the ball Ah, hits him and like bounces away from his body. He doesn't control the ball. It hits him. Yeah, it just hits him. He's so... Not coordinated right now. Um, and his shooting, bro, by the way, has been off. You know, and we saw it this game too. It's, it's carried on from the from mm. the Belgium national team, from the World Cup. Of course. He, he was put on the biggest stage in the world. And the poor guy was coming back from injury, probably a bit out of shape. Mm. And, he, and, and the world saw him have a terrible performance. And that must have knocked his confidence down a little bit. And we yeah. see... We can see what Lukaku's like when his confidence is low. I think it's obvious that his confidence is low at the moment. Um, he does look fired up. He does look hungry. Um, he seems like he can't do what he used to do for some reason. But it's a mental block, man, because this was two years ago. You yeah. know what I mean? He's still a, a decently young guy. He can turn it around and he can do good. But at the moment, man, he really doesn't look up to the task. Yeah, Lukaku, don't let those intrusive thoughts win. There you go. Well done, Jake. Thank you. But yes, um, Napoli never really looked to threaten. I can't remember a massive chance. Um, I remember one particularly good save by Onana when he was tested. Exactly. Uh, it was a reflex uh-huh. save, a massive uh-huh. one, after there was some fumbling in the box. It was one of those with, the, with a very strong arm. Yeah. It was. Yeah. Like he dove, but his, his arm stayed where it was. Like yeah. It was a great save. But nonetheless, yes, super impressive by Inter. Disappointing return for Napoli, but this has resulted in a more competitive league as two match days can change everything around. Oh, definitely. And now Napoli needs to play Sampdoria away from home, which should be a good way to get back to winning ways for them. But then straight after that, on the 13th of January, they play Juve in Naples. So that's going to be very, very interesting. Napoli remain in first place, however, five points now ahead of Milan, so still a very good posi- position to be for them. Inter now enter the top four. They're on 33 points, they're three points clear of Lazio now, and they're only one point behind Juve and three points behind Milan, <laughs> exactly. Nice. The next game that we're going to be covering is Salernitana 1, Milan 2. Salernitana lined up with their usual 3-5-2 formation with Ochoa in goal on his debut. Fazio, Radovanovic and Lovato at the back with Brotheridge and Sambia on the wings. Vilhena, Bohinen and Koulibaly in the middle with Piontek and Dia up front. This is practically a full team without Matsoki who's injured of course. Mm-hmm. Tatarisan was in goal for Milan as Mike Manian continues to... Cause many yeah. questions like what's going on? I took him on Fanta. <laughs> I decided to get injured. Like this is season. broken bone type. Yeah. Like, oh, oh literally. Injury, like length. He, he might as well. Now I'm glad he didn't, but he might as well have broken a bone. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Honestly, he's been out for so long. But yeah, apparently he's rumored to be back for the Spurs game, the Champions League. Hopefully. 
But yeah, Calabria is the right back, Hernandez on the left with Tomori and Kalulu as a centre-back pairing, with Ben Nasser and Tonali as a double pivot, with Salamakers on the right, Leao on the left, Brahim Diaz as the Trequartista and Olivier Giroud up front. Um, safe to say Milan dominated this game, of course, um, and they got firing quite early on, they had a few... Um, chances, Leao particularly with a one-on-one. Ochoa was incredible. He made oh, three world-class saves in the first 30 minutes. Yeah. And then like six or seven as the game progressed. Like yeah. amazing saves, like top quality. But it only took to the tw- 10th minute for Leao to get around Ochoa and score from a really tight angle thanks to a beautiful ball by Sandro Tonali. In the 15th minute, Sandro Tonali actually scored himself. So he had an amazing five minutes over there. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, after Brahim Diaz layoff. And then um, Bonazzoli caused some worries for Milan in the 83rd minute when Alassana Koulibaly ball saw the Italian volley at home in a lovely fashion, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. No, it was, um, it was a good performance by Milan. Milan forced a lot of saves out of Ochoa. They looked very dangerous going forward. Um, however, in the 83rd minute, there was a slight lapse, of, lapse in concentration for Milan towards the end of the game. And that's how Salernitana threaten. If you allow Salernitana to threaten, they're going to threaten. And towards the end of the game, that's what the story was. And it continues to prove that Milan's defense isn't perhaps what it used to be. And the attacking outlet has become more prominent than the defensive mm. one, I believe. Yeah, that's true. Right now, they're, uh, they're an attacking, high-pressing unit. Mm. Um, in my opinion, you could clearly see that Milan became weaker when Charles de Catellara came on along with uh, Gabia. Not that they were bad, of course. Gabia was pretty solid, to be honest. Um, De Ketelare, of course, was quite rusty still. Um, He looks better at, like, getting the ball and passing it than when he actually has a shot to take, you know? He's not going to score the chance. He's too low on confidence right now. I just think you have to, like, keep playing it simple, keep getting the simple things right, and eventually you'll pick up from there your performance. And sure, he did that... um, well enough but Brahim Diaz was having a really good game yeah Brahim, Brahim Diaz to be honest this season obviously he's, got, he's gotten so much criticism over the past three years at Milan um, I think the season in particular but I think the season has been his best season yeah. thus far I think he's proving like even when he was being played on the right hand side when Milan were struggling with injuries and they had literally no right wingers he was playing there and he scored that goal against Juve as well he scored a goal shortly after I, I forgot against who um, but he's been he's been really good. Charles, I think he, needs, he just needs to understand that at the moment, since he's low on confidence, less is more. Yes. And the less that he tries to do and the more generous that he is in the manner in which he plays, his confidence will slowly, slowly go up and nothing devastating yeah. will happen. He'll just be feeling it out and, and getting a hang of it. But when you see him in critical situations where he has to shoot and score, essentially, that's where you see him struggle or like with a final decision, for example. Yeah. Kiss. Keep, Keep it, it simple, simple, stupid. Yeah. 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 Beautiful. But yes, um, <laughs> it was this substitution, I believe, that caused a bit of a turning point. Um, Salernitana did come out pressing, and they do, they are capable of that. But when CDK and Gabia came on, they pressed even more and they became very aggressive. In fact, they got like three cards in six minutes. Um, yeah. And eventually, Kolibali did pick out Bonazzoli, um, and they did cause some concerns. But then I feel like the substitutions of the introductions of Dest and Vranks, for example, were quite good for Milan. Mm. And um, they got over the line quite well. Yeah, I, I can't highlight enough. I, obviously, I've, I've said this before. Um, how much I like so far what I've seen from Vranks. Mm. I think I think 
naturally he looks very good and a couple seasons at Milan with uh, training with their squad and training with their defenders he's going to prove to be a real titan man and he can he can start pushing from then on yeah he's definitely good in that pocket what uh, did you make of of Milan overall in this in this game after I mean, the, the return after the break so promising so start um, created lots of chances if it weren't for the legendary Ochoa in goal um, this could have easily been a comfortable victory for Milan um, the guy kept them in it and that goal at the end almost caused a, an unlikely upset but Milan by far the better team yeah now obviously in fact Milan. one shot on target for Salernitana was the goal yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bonazzoli. Classic, Classic yes. obviously. Bonazzoli. Bonazzoli, by the way, has equaled Marco Di Vaio as the Salernitana top scorer in Serie A of all time. How, how many goals is that? 12. 12. <laughs> <laughs> Di Vaio, no, no. Ronaldo should have gone to Salernitana. Man, made this I'm sure he can get 12 goals for Salernitana, no? <laughs> no, but yeah. he, he thinks he's in South Africa, but he's in Saudi yeah, Arabia. That was hilarious, by it the way. Was. It was. No, I, I agree with you basically about Milan. Now, obviously, um, we're high and mighty, but there is a game against Roma this Sunday at 8.45. A very, very tough fixture for Milan against, you know, Mourinho's Roma. And we'll see what happens over there. I'm confident that Milan can get it done. But if there's anyone that can break down someone's play in this league, apart from Inter nowadays... It's Roma. Roma will stop yeah. you from playing your game. So that's going to be interesting. Pray to God Roma don't score in the first half. Yeah. Because it'll be oh the most God. frustrating game of football ever. Definitely, man. So Milan in second on 36 points, five points behind Napoli and two points ahead of Juve. While Salernitana are in 14th on 17 points, one behind Empoli and Lecce, same points as Monza. The next game we're going to be covering is Cremonese's 250th match in Serie A as they almost held Juventus in a nil-nil draw, but Juventus managed to get a late victory thanks to an Arcadius Millic goal and won one nil. Cremonese lined up in a 3-4-1-2 formation with Carnesecchi in goal and the back line of Lashovskvili. Bianchetti and Ferrari, uh, Valerio on the left and Ser Nicola on the right with Castagnetti and Meite in the holding midfield roles. Piquel just ahead of them with Dessers and Okereke up front. Allegri's side lined up in a 3-5-1-1 formation with Chesney in goal and the back line of Gatti, Bremer and Danilo. Sule on the right and Kostic on the left with a midfield three of Fagioli, Locatelli and McKenny. Miretti just ahead of them shouldering Milik who played as a punta. So... Pretty much, as I said, Cremonese played so well during this game. And they just, they looked better than mm-hmm. Juve, in my opinion. Why do you think that was? So this Juventus was set up quite defensively. Um, we saw the, the same problems that Juventus sides under Allegri or sides under Allegri in general tend to have going forward. Um, mm. Juve didn't really threaten no. from the get-go. Um, and Cremonese were extremely unfortunate not to get anything out of this game because they played really well. Yeah, They were amazing. Um, Dessers hit the post at a point as well. They got awfully close. Like um, I, yeah. I was quite sure Afenajan hit the post as well, man. In fact, he did. Yeah. Afenajan hit the post from a really tight angle as well. Ah, yes, of course, on the byline. He shot yeah. from the byline. Cremonese were looking dangerous, man. They, they were, were going forward well. 
And this is quite a young Juve team. I mean, Sule, Fagioli and Gatti are very young players and Miretti as well. You mm-hmm. know, Locatelli has just took that next step in his footballing career as a regular yeah. at a big club as well. McKenney is like, you know, under quite a lot of pressure from the fans. Kostic, granted. Kostic is a standout yeah, for a, them because he was threatening as yeah. well from that left-hand side. He, he had some shots, man, and, and yeah. some crosses that were and fantastic. Super, you watch him charging up alone. Um, can't help but feel bad for the guy. The yeah. defense is solid, of course. The goalkeeper is solid. Uh, Milik wasn't particularly great before the the goal. His yeah. hold-up play wasn't amazing. He was often losing the ball. But anyway, bro, all this said, and you have made it seven wins in a row with seven clean sheets in a row. Torino, Empoli, Lecce, Inter, Verona, Lazio, and Cremonese. They didn't concede a single goal and they beat every single opponent. Yeah. No, Juve have now shown us that even when they're not having their best day, they're still capable of getting a full three points. And that's the most important thing. If you're looking to break into top four, then that's what you're going to have to do. You're going to win even when you're playing like shit. And they played, they played like shit. Cremonese once again have looked really good against the big teams, but once again failing to get anything out of, out of this match. It was a strong performance Mm -hmm. by them. They should leave with their chin held up. So should Juve, because even though they had a they had a very tough time, and this isn't exactly a sustainable mm-hmm. way to win games, they got the three points, man, and now they mm-hmm. move forward with their head held high. Juve win ugly, yeah, but they win ugly often. That's true, and that's, that's true. why they're there. And that's why they're always there, man. Um, and this game was about to be just summed up by Juve fans, like. Screaming and queefing over that Sule nutmeg. There was <laughs> yes. an amazing Sule nutmeg, like clips on Twitter were everywhere on it. It's like, you're about to draw to Cremonese, like, you know, <laughs> relax with the nutmeg. <laughs> Leo had an amazing nutmeg as well in the, in the Milan game. Um, fun fact, I just realized how biased that's. Huh? Sule nutmeg, Leo. <laughs> Well, no, no. uh, well, looks like an amazing talent. He, he does, man. No, I was gonna, I was gonna highlight. We had a funny moment because I was at work and you were watching Milan, and I saw that Bonazzoli scored, and I texted you, "Are we in trouble?" <laughs> and you answered, "Yes, yes, <laughs> we're in trouble, bro." It's always the case, man. My I'm God. sure Juve fans had the same thought, but here they are in third place on 34 points. Why is their opponents, Cremonese, on the other hand, in 19th place on seven points, one point ahead of Verona and two points behind Sampdoria? Yes, sir. Well, thanks to that wonderfully struck free kick by Arcadius Melek. The next game we're going to be covering is the exact replica of the Juve game. <laughs> it's <laughs> Roma 1, Bologna 0. Uh, not particularly. Not, not quite, not exactly the same. There's a slight difference. Um, being that they got the goal early on and they just shit house for the entire game. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, let's go. Um, Roma lined up with their usual 3-4-1-2 formation with Rui Patricio on goal, Ibanez Smalling and Mancini at the back. El Sharawi was on the left, Celic on the right with Tahirovic, the 19-year-old Swedish player that Mourinho decided to call upon for this game, playing alongside Cristante in the midfield. Pellegrini was in the trequartista position with Zaniolo and Dybala up front, assuming for the counter, right? Yeah, probably. I mean, I, I do see Mourinho using this structure quite often moving forward with yeah. Zaniola and the ball up front. Particularly with how Tammy and Bellotti have been playing. Exactly. You know, a target man who can't really score, hold up, play well. Those two players yeah. on the bench is 
you know, great for them, but, but yeah. also very disappointing for them at the same time. I mean, going into the game where they need a goal, they have options and we know how their set pieces are. Yeah, you, know, you bring like exactly. Tammy and Belotti off the bench, at least you have bodies in the box for your well-worked routines. Um, Bologna lined up with their 4-2-3-1 formation with Skorupski in goal, Posh on the right and Liko Giannis on the left with Sao Mauro and Lukumi as the centre-back pairing. Lukumi was very good. Um, Ferguson and Medel were in the double pivot with Orsolini and Soriano out wide, Dominguez in the Trequartista and Arnautovic up front. Um, yeah, bro, 61% ball possession for Bologna, um, but they couldn't get over the line. Um, Roma were just too street smart. Um, Mourinho is really building a unit over here. He is, man. And I mean, if you could get a goal in the first six minutes and then play that out and win one at the end, it, it is impressive stuff. It's just then there's also the having the ability to kill a game. So not only did they play Mourinho's system and they won by scoring one goal in the sixth minute, but I also think there's a point to be made that they failed to secure it, to make it safe. They were constantly on the edge while Bologna were charging forward in order to get that equalizer. And Roma would have hoped that they were a bit more dominant in this game. I doubt it's just more in your system. I think they would have yeah. hoped to get a, get a stronger foot in the game. Two shots on target simply is not enough. Um, no. Bologna had doubled that this game. Granted, they were chasing. Like That's not um, a choice, you know? Yeah, I mean... It's always more of a guarantee to push for another goal, you know, yeah. extend the lead. Um, but of course, we know that coaches are different. They have different philosophies. Mourinho is extremely pragmatic. Oh, we have the lead. All we have to do is defend it. Exactly. And they defended it to perfection. Exactly. Yeah. Um, a few stats here. Um, Lorenzo Pellegrini has scored a Serie A goal at the Olympico for the first time since March the 20th, 2022. My 900, God. no, sorry, 290 days ago. Jesus yeah. Christ. In um, fact, I, I read an article. I like <laughs> I like using, and you like using it as well because you sent me the article. Um, Chiesa, uh, di, Chiesa Totti. di Totti. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, and they have they have fantastic, fantastic articles over there. But this one was written by... A hater, bro. A, a Nimrod. Dude. <laughs> this guy just hates Lorenzo Pellegrini. <laughs> he can't stand him. And, and the to be, to be honest, this article in particular, I, I couldn't read it comfortably because yeah. because of the way it was written no disrespect to the writers and all that um, but I just did have a, a nightmare reading that both for the opinion and for the structure of it <laughs> yeah shall I read a few quotes from it oh yes please yes please <laughs> so here it goes Pellegrini plotted to overthrow Fonseca in his second year with Roma still third on the table. It resulted to Roma's collapse later that season. So he's blaming Roma's collapse on Pellegrini, um, trying to force Fonseca out. His injuries mostly come from training and preseason matches because he is avoiding real body clashes in competitive matches to prevent real injury. <laughs> Every time he injured, he must miraculously, miraculously recover, <laughs> miraculously, and get back to the squad in one or two weeks. Lay on the pitch for every ninety minutes in order to prevent younger and more talented players to get played, overperform, and eventually replace him. So this guy thinks his injuries and his fucking he he thinks it's all orchestrated to stop the younger players from breaking through. 
this guy, yeah. the, this this guy, he just <laughs> rushes to conclusions. I feel like he's constantly having a battle in his own head. Like <laughs> that's why he's injured. He's like trying to figure <laughs> shit out. Like Pellegrini out injured, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> so when the Bala shines in World Cup final and scores key penalty, he injured himself again just to get an excuse for second half of the season. My God, man. <laughs> My God. He says his stat pads on penalties and free kicks, even though he's not that good at them. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's disrespecting him to oblivion. I mean, Pellegrini oh, is obviously a good player. And, and Pellegrini is one of the best players in, in Roma's team. He's the leader. He's the captain. Yeah. You know, he's a guy you have to get behind. He's a guy you need to encourage. And if you think your captain is being malicious, then there's, there's, you think there's a serious problem with your football club. Like... Because for any captain to yeah. be to, to be doing anything on that level maliciously to hurt his teammates and to, and to get the upper hand over them. Nah, man. Yeah. I think he's nuts. This was Brian Cristante's 100th win for Roma in all competitions. More than any other teammate since he joined the club. There's a reason coaches like him. Yeah, there's a reason coaches like him. And there's a reason we predicted that he'd be Mourinho's favourite yeah. favorite player. Yeah. And, and he's, he's up there, man, definitely. I remember taking the helm at Milan on FM like 10 years ago um, and Cristante was a Primavera player like oh my Milan. god yeah, yeah that was that was fun but yeah shall we move on to the next game yep let's just say that Roma are now in 6th place on 30 points level with Lazio and 2 points ahead of Atalanta whilst um, Bologna are in 11th place on 19 points just 1 behind Fiorentina and 1 ahead of Lecce and Empoli the next game we're going to be covering is Lecce 2, Lazio 1. A 4-3-3 up against another 4-3-3 Falcone in goal for Lecce with Gallom, Titi, Baschirotto and Jean Dre at the back. Gonzalez, Hulmond and Blin in the middle with Banda out on the left, Streffezza on the right and Milan Loni, Colombo up front. Provedel was in goal for Lazio with Lazzari, Ciasale, Romagnoli and Marosic at the back. Sergei Milinkovic-Savic in midfield, apparently, even though I barely saw him. Cataldi <laughs> in the middle alongside Bazic. Pedro on the right with Zaccagni on the left and Giro Immobile up front. Um, Immobile opened the scoring thanks to a nice ball from Ciasale, scoring in the 14th minute. Uh, Streffezza equalized in the 57th minute and then Colombo eventually got the winner after Di Francesco squared it to him after a lovely move, um, making it 2-1 to Lecce. What the hell happened to Lazio here? So I think obviously very good performance by Lecce. The fact that they kept the pressure up even though maybe some people have said they should settle for the draw here and there but they kept going out and they went for a victory and they got the victory. So kudos to Lecce. Lazio, it almost seems like there's a lack of creativity. Now, normally you have Zaccani who's being tricky on the left-hand side. You have Pedro who's showing good balance and experience. And you have Savic feeding Immobile. But when that doesn't work, there's normally Luis Alberto as well, who just gives them this brand new outlet to attack down from. And he can assist Chiro very easily as well. It's not just Sergei that can do it. Um, I think the fact that there's all this all these rumors and all this gossip around him at a point even saying he was moving the opposite direction to Lecce and <laughs> didn't help. We know how Sarri is. He's not going to bring him on when there's that kind of behavior as well because his behavior is being criticized for Lazio and his respect. So I think it was that, the lack of creativity for Lazio and not having Luis Alberto as well. Yeah, I mean, definitely, bro. When you look at Bazic, Cataldi and Milinkovic-Savic, it's solely up to Sergei. 
to make yeah. something happen over here. And he had a shocker this game. They closed him down really well. I have to say I'm super impressed by Electra, man. They're such a unit, especially defensively. Every player there is amazing. Like Gallo, you see him in the opposition area dribbling and attempting a cross and they're on the counter and Gallo clears it off the line. Like, how did he get there? You know, he's tireless over there on the left. Umtiti and Baskerot are just two beasts. Mm-hmm. And even Jean-Dre on the other side provides like a, provides three lungs. Yeah. You know? Umtiti is back, man. Yeah, Umtiti he's is back. back. They're he's singing back. his name. He, he's intercepting the ball and charging forward with it and having a crack while everyone's singing his name. He's getting hard and challenges. Like he just had a, he had a brilliant performance, man. Yes, Umtiti is indeed getting hard. Um, <laughs> challenges. <laughs> challenges. Getting hard and challenges. Now that's a true story right there. <laughs> exactly. Life gives me a challenge. I get hard. <laughs> that's it. But yeah, it. Um, you look at the solutions of the bench. They took out Pedro, who's a match winner. They brought on Philip Anderson, who's Dr. Jacqueline, Mr. Hyde. Um, <laughs> he had a few terrible moments where he yeah. kept the ball for too long, didn't release, you know, like there was a point he got the ball out wide, he just kept running until he lost it. Mm. They brought on Vecino, who's not really going to do anything. Maybe he'll get on the end of a cross, but who's going to play that cross? Yeah. Uh, Marcos Antonio, Cancelli is too young. Romero's literally 17 years old. Like, who's going to win you this game, dude? If it's not going your way, you don't have options on the bench. And that's a lack of investment. Yeah. And I mean, it's it's a waste having a player again. Like, Luis Alberto, because of the rumors, isn't playing. Now, I, I don't blame Sarri. I don't think it's his fault. It's just super unfortunate that the club is going through something like that. And at this point, man, I would just say, let him go. Yeah. Let him go. Because he brings so much and he's so good. But... You know, not in this current situation, not as long as Sarri is in charge and there are these rumours. So at this point, the best thing you can do is to let him go. Yeah. Um, they simply needed someone like Di Francesco on the bench. Yeah, <laughs> Francesco literally. came on for Legend and turned the game around completely. Yeah. yeah, a brilliant performance by him. Colombo keeps impressing me. Yeah. He's, he's had a great run the past five games. I don't know how many goals and assists he he's has. He scored a goal against Sudanese, a goal against Atalanta, a goal and an assist against Sampdoria, and a goal against Lazio. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. I'm so happy for him, man. Yeah, he's doing well. He's breaking out. Um, Immobile, speaking of scoring, because I forgot to address this, mm. has reached the ninth place of the historical Serie A scorers. Oh, wow. Okay, he's overtaken Del Piero. Oof. Gilardino and Signori. They have 188 each. Ciro Mobile is at 189, dude. That's incredible, man. And to be honest, I'm not surprised because he's just been inevitable for so long at Lazio, Ciro. Yeah, I mean, he scores 20 plus goals year in, year out. You know, if you're if you don't know what to do on fantasy football, you take Ciro Mobile. Exactly. Um Piola is the all-time Serie A goals. Score. Um, he scored 274 goals in Serie A. So Mobile needs another lifetime <laughs> yeah, to, exactly. to catch up to Piola. It goes to show how, how mental he was. Yeah. And that was in 537 games. That's impressive, man. That's super impressive. And he's also just one letter away from having the same name as the best coach in the world. Just one letter, man. Viola. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Um, classic racial incident at the end of this game. Of course. Of course. Yeah, um, we stand with Umtiti, we stand with Cisse, we yeah. stand with Jean-Dre. Jean-Dre, yeah. Was Horrible. it Jean-Dre? Probably, bro. I mean, 
you know, lots of fans. It's not only lots of fans, it's fans in Italy. Okay. Fans in Italy, there was recently a situation with Vinicius Jr. as well in Spain. So unfortunately, guys, racism is everywhere. And the strictest of measures should be taken as we've repeated ourselves. Mm. Um to keep this out of the stadium. Stadium bands, literally. I think it's as simple as that. You yeah. know, they have the technology to identify and the eyewitnesses to identify the abusers. Exactly. Just exactly. ban them from the stadium. They're no fucking, one's gonna do it. If you know you're gonna get banned from the stadium, you're not gonna do it. If you can charge a football and track exactly what it's doing and where it is, you can identify these people who are hurling racial abuse and the people holding inflatable fucking bananas and tossing bananas on the pitch you should be able to identify them you know what i mean fucking hell but yeah guys lazio in fifth place on 30 points level with roma and three behind inter whilst lecce are in 12th on 18 points level with empoli and one point ahead of salernitana and monza the next game we're going to be covering was one of the most entertaining affairs that we had um, it was Spezia 2, Atalanta 2, massive upset there. Uh, Spezia played in their 3-5-2 formation with Zoet in goal in the back line of Nicolao, Kiwior and Amian. Reka played out wide with home on the other side. Burabia, Ampadu and Bastoni formed the midfield three. And Zola and Giassi up front, classic. For Atalanta, it was a 3-4-1-2 with Sportiello in goal and Toloi, Palomino and Scalvini at the back. Mele on one side and Ruggeri on the other side with Martin Deron and Ed. Ederson in midfield. I put so much effort into saying the own's name mm-hmm. right that I fucked up. You got one more, huh? Um, Coop Miners, and then just <laughs> <laughs> just ahead of them with Lukman and Zapata up front. In the eighth minute, Jassi opened the scoring for Spezia, making it one 0 after an Mbala and Zola assist in a counter attack. Just a few moments later, in the 18th minute, there was a terrible collision between Zapata and Zoet that forced Zoet out instantly and being replaced by their third-choice goalkeeper, 20-year-old Petar Zofko, coming in with all the pressure in the world facing Atalanta. And 10 minutes later, Zapata was replaced by Hoyland after he couldn't cope from the injury. Yeah, um, Hoyland probably did better than Zapata had been doing all game. Um, and Petar Zovko came in looking extremely young and nervous. Um, he looked like he could be in the in-betweeners. Like that, that's, that's how, how young this guy looks. Um, with every, every time he saved the ball or touched the ball or claimed a simple pass, like the crowd went nuts. They were really riling him up. And the fence was just playing for their keeper, their young keeper. They were protecting him, dude. It was so nice to see. Yeah, that, that, that is amazing to see. And he was doing a good job. We'll, we'll get into the rest soon. Um, a few moments later, Spezia made it 2-0. So Zofko could rest for a little yeah. bit. It was a long ball over the top by Borabia. Phenomenal ball to Mbala and Zola. And Spezia did this quite often. In Zola with a super clean finish. And his record just continues. He's on eight goals this season. Just one behind Victor Ossiman. Yeah. He's having a, a phenomenal season. Whilst not looking phenomenal. But yeah. we'll get into that, I guess. In the 77th minute, Rasmus Huyland improvised brilliantly with his back towards goal and managed to get a shot away. Zofko would have hoped to do better, but he did manage to sneak the ball underneath him after Davide Zappacosta assist. And then it was then the 92nd minute where a ball wasn't collected after a cross that seemed to, you know, just 
make its way through to the far post and Pasalic was there to fumble the ball over the line and that, you know, he, he scored many goals against Spets. Yeah, this one was a bit luckier, but again, the man is just at the right place at the right time, which as a midfielder is excellent, man. Five goals in four games against Spezia for Pasalic. Um, it's God. a joint record in this competition alongside Arnautovic. Jesus, Arnautovic obviously has to be involved in, in most debates when, when it comes to forwards. Mm. Um, so yeah, what, what did you make of this game? It was very entertaining, man. Spezia came out to fucking play and at a point, one thing I didn't address is that Spezia were 3-0 up. They were, but a yeah. goal didn't stand because it was offside. It yeah. was the, the Welsh guy. Ethan Ampadu that yeah. scored and Ethan Ampadu he, he was looking dangerous when he came on man he's a nice little a little coop in this team he really is um, and it was his first ever Serie A goal so it's a shame because he looked so happy and he looked absolutely depressed when, yeah. when it was uh, ruled off I think Atalanta committed a lot of men forward I think they they surrounded the the Spezia box well mm-hmm. in numbers but they didn't seem to have the the striker to, to yeah. finish it off. Um, Zapata has been shaky, just came back from injury. He was like, oh, 2023, new year, new me, I'm injury free. <laughs> nope, <laughs> that's not the case because he was, uh, of course, subbed off early on due to yeah. the collision with Zoet. Um, but yeah, I think that's the problem. They conceded early to Spets, and you know how Spets are. When, when they score early, they're a nightmare. You know, they'll sit back, they'll make your life hell, they'll try to kill the game. But yeah. then they actually got another one on the counter. So like, Atalanta are very naive, and I feel like since they've become this more pragmatic team when it comes to overloading, they're not as efficient as they used to be. It could be because of the personnel as well, of course. When you look at um, Zapata misfiring right now, Lukman didn't have a good game, but he has been okay. But like Muriel yeah. and Zapata on form, Trash is this. Of course. A couple of seasons ago, literally two seasons ago, those two were a forced a force, sorry, to be to be reckoned with, man. But now I think I think you make you make a good point. I think there's a reason that they became a more pragmatic side is perhaps because they realized they can't overload teams the same way that they used to. And they don't have that much pace anymore, which is something that they had in numbers before with their wing backs and up front with Muriel just terrorizing. They had Papu Gomez back in the day as well. And they're just simply not that side anymore. They're slightly more static. They position themselves well. They counterattack well. But in this game, again, it's not a choice to go 2-0 down. Man, if you're going to be a pragmatic yeah. side, you can't be conceding too early on against Spezia. Naive goals. Literally. And being 3-0 down at a point. And it seems like we're talking about them being a pragmatic side, but both Spezia's goals were on the counter, man. Yeah, that's it, man. Naive. You have Literally. to be naive to concede on the counter. And the Atalanta we saw at the beginning of the season didn't look like they were capable of doing this. No, not at all, man. Not at all. And this puts Atalanta in a very different position to where they were a couple of match days ago, man. But I think as much as this is a bad sign for Atalanta, it's a very good sign for Spezia, the fact that we're saying they haven't yet adapted to Gotti's system after having yeah. two very different managers and two very forward-thinking managers. Now they're playing under Luca Gotti. Um, but like like we said, these smaller teams who stayed together during the break have been working together and they have come out looking very mm-hmm. good. And Spezia formed to be one of those sides, man. Definitely, bro. Rasmus Hoyland, bro, born in 2003, is the youngest foreign player to have scored at least two goals in Serie A this season. Um, granted, the striker department's a bit of an issue right now, but this guy does look promising. Yeah, no, he does, he does Hoyland. I think it's his work ethic and his physicality that make mm. him that good. I don't think he has 
part, a, a particular eye for a goal that makes him better than most strikers. But I think he knows how to play in the system. I think he knows how to carry when the team isn't performing too well. Doesn't carry the the attacking side of the of the pitch. But yeah, he had a good performance here, and he managed to force a goal in under obviously mm-hmm. Zofko who had just come in, and he was having a good game until I think he could have done better with that. Yeah, one, he could have, it went underneath him. You know, I'm um, granted great improvisation by Hoyland. The, yeah, with the cheeky what's it called, the R2 Circle X. <laughs> <laughs> when you're going forward, not when yeah, you're cutting yeah, it, because yeah, that could be a Ronaldo yeah. chop. It's, it's like a forward like you chop. St- I don't know what the yeah, hell you it's call like it. you, you stop the ball and then kick it forward with your with your other yeah, leg. Yeah, he did your that to beat, thing. to beat the defender. He just smashed it underneath the goalkeeper. Very very good. Exactly. So Atalanta, yeah. at the end, I think they'd be happy that they managed to get a point out of it, but that's really not where they want to be. They don't want to be celebrating a point, man, against Spezia. Yeah. Um, before we conclude, um, I just want to highlight Jazzy. Congratulations, Jazzy. You scored your first goal. You were statistically the worst striker in Europe's top five leagues <laughs> um, when it came to like XG. Um, so fortunately, he has scored and things will be looking up for him. Yeah. Now, um, Palomino played a really good game since his return. Um, he's been very good. Obviously, we he stopped playing. He was good. He's back. He's good again. Exactly. Um, João Moutinho debuted for Spezia, coming oh, wow. off the bench in the 66th minute. He looked quite decent, to be honest. And um, he entered the pitch alongside Daniel Maldini. Interesting. When worlds collide, that was João Moutinho mm. and Daniel Maldini coming on for Spezia. <laughs> who would have? Who would have thought? Yeah. But, yeah, like I said, a very good result for Spezia. They're in 17th place now, and it just gives them some breathing space from Sampdoria. They're on 14 points, and Sampdoria are on 9, so a healthy 5-point gap over there. Um, still not where they want to be, but it is an improvement. And on the other hand, Atalanta have now moved down to 7th uh, on 28 points, and they're now 2 points behind Roma and Lazio. The next game we're going to be covering was another upset, Sassuolo 1, Sampdoria 2, Sampdoria looking the better team with their new signings over here and the break clearly helping to their advantage as we had discussed about the World Cup teams. Um, the teams, the Serie A teams during the World Cup who didn't have many players called up. Yeah, you know? the ones that stayed together for that two-month break practicing. Exactly. Um, Sassuolo lined up with Consigli in goal, Rogeri on the left, Tolian on the right with a centre-back pairing of Ferrari and Ruan. Their midfield three were Thordsvet, Henrique and Fratesi. Lauriente played on the left, Berardi played on the right and Pinamonti played up front. For Sampdoria was their 3-4-1-2 formation with Audero on goal, Berezinski, Nuitink and Amione at the back. Nuitink coming in, of course, from Udinese. Leris was on the right, Augello was on the left, the centre back pairing, centre mid pairing, sorry, of Rincon and Ronaldo Vieira, with very <laughs> as the Trequartista and Gabbiadini and Lammers up front. Of course, Lammers coming in for the parting Caputo. The first goal came in the 25th minute through a Manolo Gabbiadini bicycle kick. He showed amazing composure over there. In the 28th minute, shortly after, Tommaso Augello took the opportunity after a Sassuolo air to smack it from a distance doubling the scoring in a short amount of time. Yeah, Ferrari giving the ball away very clumsily over there, a, a very failed clearance. And both these goals, just so you guys know, were contenders for our goal of the week, both yeah. astonishing goals. Two amazing goals over there. Um, Sassuolo tried to come back in the second half in the 64th minute, Pinamonti forced a foul and Domenico Berardi converted the penalty, but Sassuolo did not have anything left in their tank to deal with this. We're going to pass you on to our resident Sassuolo fan, Luke Mintoff, who's going to go off on a rant about Sassuolo and their sticky situation. Evening, gents. Hope you're both doing well. 
Happy New Year, of course, as well. And um, the first episode of 2023. Actually, never mind, there was really one. So scratch what I just said. And uh, I'm an idiot. Anyways, this is going to be... Well, I was going to say it was going to be a hot, short take on the Suarez game, but um, I think it's going to be quite a rant. <laughs> so I'll just start speaking, and at the point you can just clip me, and um, and yeah, that'll be it. But um, to actually start speaking about something um, of note, well, the game wasn't good. I mean, uh, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Uh, however, the first 20 minutes didn't go too bad. Sassuolo dictated the game, more or less. Um, they had the better chances. They were getting corners, um, albeit not the best uh, finishing. Um, Berardi was well, shooting, felt like he was shooting at the at a football pitch with his friends rather than at a football game. But to his credit, he's not played too much, and I'm sure he's still rusty. So probably he was just you know trying his luck a little bit, which for a player like him can kind of excuse. Um, but but after the first goal was conceded from a really terrible terrible defending. I mean the corners, the man marking and 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 the, actually how they gave away the corner was just was just classic successful defense. So um, but it was a good goal from Gabbiadini. I mean some some uh, played played that set piece quite well. So um, credit credit where it's due, of course. Uh, and that you could instantly see that like deflated the whole team uh, so much so that. Some scored in you know two minutes time. Albeit it was a fabulous strike by um, Ajuelo. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Um, but just all this clearance was, I mean, it's like you take your kids to a five-a-side football game um, and they're playing at a birthday party, and the worst kid on the football pitch just tries to um, clear the ball because he's hopeless and he plays in defense and. But, it went right to Ajuelo and well, he just had a fantastic shot, which just had, you know, there was no chance of saving it, really. Um, but more on the first half, a lot of players were just below par. Uh, Fratesi, I I kid you not, it felt like he was playing for Roma in that game. Um, defense was was all over the place. Clearances were, were really half-assed. Rogerio was I think that's the worst performance I've seen of Rogerio in a while. Um he looked I don't know the the way he was just he gave away so many balls by underhitting the pass to Lauriente that I, I at the point I was on the train and I was actually going to slap my phone against the wall it was that frustrating to watch. Um then, of course, you know, first half ended 2-0. Uh, I think that Dionisi did give a really good pep talk in, in, in halftime because instantly you could see the team uh, changed their mentality. They changed their focus and the way they played. Torsvet was subbed off, which I don't fully agree with. He was definitely not the worst man on the pitch in the first half. He was at least trying. Um, sometimes he was... His control wasn't too great, so sometimes he lost the ball like that, but other players were doing, in my opinion, way worse um, mistakes than he was doing. Uh, Pinamonte also was absolutely useless. Uh, he, I, 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 the, the weirdest 
uh, the thing which boils my blood the most is I've never seen him be that backs-to-the-wall backs striker. I mean, uh, maybe I never paid attention for Empley's games that much, but he seemed way more... Um, Way more full of sprite and 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 you know a bit of a bit of finesse. It's as full. He just backs to the wall, backs to goal. Sorry, he holds up the play. Then it's just a pass which is either under hit or over hit, or he just loses the ball, or he gets tackled and he starts crying. And it, it that happened like at least four times in the first half. Anyway, second half. It was better, definitely. It was it was better for Sassuolo. Um, Torsved got subbed off. Traore, in my opinion, changed the game quite a bit. Traore and Laurenta on the left hand flank uh, was actually quite nice to see. They linked up quite well, and to have Traore there, who seemed like he was playing with more confidence, even the way he was switching the play to the other side to Berardi, that was something that um, they were missing for the whole season so far. Um, so it was good to see Traore back and Traore playing with. You know, decent confidence, and of course, I mean, although I was bashing Penamonte, he did get a penalty uh, for the team, which Berardi scored. Uh, there were a number of opportunities where Sassuolo could have could have scored a second, but um, holy hell, uh, Audero, sorry, Audero um, made a, f- a few fabulous saves. One was against Lauriente, where he, you know, Lauriente was 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 curling a shot from the outside of the box, or maybe kind of like. On the on the on the line of the box, great save. Um, Traore missed the one on one. Well, not missed. He, it was saved because it was quite central. Um, Berardi almost scored from a corner, which was really well taken. It was like a free volley, but he was overhitting his shots quite a bit in that game. Um, so, first half, I would literally give Sassuolo a one on ten. It was. It was absolutely shambolic. Second half, I would say that they played much better. Uh, I would have definitely subbed off Penamonte earlier than that. But, I mean, then, of course, the argument is made he won a penalty. But apart from that, he was useless, as usual. Um, I just, I, 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 I'm, I'm just very confused why... He play, uh, Dionisi didn't play Alvarez. I mean, and, and even when he came on in the, in the second half, he was playing as a central attacking midfielder. And Defrel played as striker. And you know my opinion of Defrel. So, um, I mean, I think I think not to not to run too much more. Um, they need they need a centre back. That's what I need a centre back urgently. I think it's urgent and and even a full back. I mean. Uh, if I uh, if I was a sporting director, Carnevale, um, I'd be very worried. To be honest with you, I don't think Sassuolo are going to get relegated. That would be, I mean, I I would I would um, pierce my own balls like if that happened. But it's not looking good, and um, I know from 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 speaking with people on the Reddit group of Sassuolo that 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 he has this tendency to basically just have the club as a business rather than as a football team and it shows you know barely any fans a stadium which isn't even in the cap which isn't, isn't even in the city um where the where the team is generally located um and selling all your best players and um okay albeit he has made replacement signings which have been good penamonte unfortunately wasn't but of course of course hindsight is great and 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 
you know, back when he came in summer, he was a guy who scored 13 goals for Empoli and he was looking quite hot. Laurenta was a fantastic signing. I think that he's a great addition for for a position that Sassuolo urgently needed on the left wing since Boga has left. Um, but but there is money in the bank and, and they have to spend it. They have to spend it on a centre-back with an experience. Um and hopefully with 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 a fullback who has some time to 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 develop and 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 get better because Tolian is is okay Tolian is bare okay but for me my opinion Rogerio is is he has like one good game in 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 seven and and then then he's hopeless the rest and and, and Kirokopoulos I think is better but isn't always played I think he has fitness issues um uh, and sometimes he's a very attacking player uh, which then leaves gaps in the back in, a, in an issue where Sassuola evidently are bad in defending. So <laughs> for you to have a very offensive left back um, in an area where you need help, I guess that's probably why Rogerio gets the upper hand most of the time. Um, but but uh, they have to go to the transfer market and then they, they, it can't be some risky center back or to be honest I, I don't even know right now who I would get um uh but but they have to they have to search um and look for someone who can uh who can fill that gap because because even Ferrari isn't looking good he's looking worse and worse um worse and worse each game and it's sad because I actually rated him um for a time but now it's just not looking good. Uh, of course, Ehrlich wasn't playing. I'm not a fan of Tresoldi at all. I think he's not he's not not the quality that Sassuolo needed the back. Um, so so uh, I I think it's urgent, honestly. Um, and I I think that things have to change. And there, uh, Dionis has to be a bit more risky as well. You know, you can't just play these players and hope that they get better during the game. Fratesi did do that in the game, granted, but but the first half it was it was a joke from Fratesi. I was I was shocked because this is their best player the whole season so far, and he played like he didn't give any shits whatsoever. Um, I really hope that next game um, I see I see someone else playing instead of Penamonte. Um, it can be Antiste, it can be Defrel, even though I don't particularly like him. I, it can be who I think is their most promising striker, Alvarez. Um, but but it would be a shame to see Pinoman to play again because he's not gelling with the team. And then that's evident. And I'm not saying he should be sold. And I don't want to be um, dramatic. But 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 he needs to know that that spot isn't his. And um, I mean, I'm way over the time I've, I've, I've decided to speak. So if you want to just clip parts out and, 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 you know, just take some parts which you find are the most interesting from my take... Feel free. Um, looking forward to the next episode. And, uh, well, Forza Milan, you guys won yesterday. So, congrats to that. Thank you very much for your voice note, Mint. Amazing analysis, as always. Um, happy to have you on board. Um, I want to start off by addressing the fact that this is, in fact, our first episode of 2023. We're just terrible with formalities. So, Happy <laughs> New Year to everyone listening. Happy New Year, you beautiful people. Um, 
Sassuolo may be off form, but Mentov certainly is on form. He compared Berardi <laughs> to like a kid playing um, with his friends in a playground or something. Um, yeah. He called Augello, Aguello. <laughs> what did he call Augello? Aguello. Aguello, yeah. <laughs> like twice. That was quite funny as well. Um, Fratesi's already playing for Roma. That killed me as well. <laughs> it's true. He was nowhere to be seen. It's true. It was quite a, quite a tough outing for mm. Fratesi. I have to say we agree with Sassuolo's defensive woes. They've had the same back line for a while, but one centre back, um, and they've had a defensive issue for a while. So um, Rogerio and um, Ferrari, to be honest, can be replaced, and the sooner the better for them. I agree, man. I think that's clearly the place where they're struggling the most. Obviously, this is ignoring the fact that up front they lost so many important players. But I think the back line continues to be an issue that hasn't only come about this year, but has been there when they did have a fantastic front line as well. Yeah. He makes an interesting point about Pinamonti playing with his back against goal um, at Sassuolo, mm-hmm. where, whereas at Empoli he was more of a poacher kind of player. Yeah. Um, it's a new role at Sassuolo, right? They they do value the link-up play a lot. Pinamonti um, wasn't much of a hold-up striker at Empoli. No. You know, he wasn't really involved in the build-up play. Um, he was just there to finish off the moves. I think he's he's got a lot on his plate right now. Yeah, and I think adapting to a team like like Sassuolo, whose strikers, although like Caputo was a poacher, Scamacca was also a poacher, but they, they're both very, very talented at laying the ball down to either Berardi or Raspadori back then, um, uh, Traore. So it's probably a requirement that Pinamonti is taking that approach and it's just yeah. taking him a lot of time to adapt to it and it's messing with his confidence and then that all becomes quite a cycle for him he wants him out though what do you think what do you think about that I think Alvarez deserves some time some I think so time. as well I think he yeah Penamonti maybe should spend a game or two on the bench mm-hmm. to recollect himself yeah because at this point it's it's like no matter how badly you play you're still gonna start yeah. and that's not not a healthy Thing to have with your striker. Let's hope that Sassuolo gets relegated, bro. <laughs> Why? So Mintov can pierce his balls, like, apparently. <laughs> hey, you should pierce your ballsack if they get Europe. It should be a celebration exactly. if you're piercing your ballsack. Exactly. Never pierce your ballsack in vain, Mintov. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. That's uh, that's part of the wisdom we give you every week, guys. Never pierce your ballsack in vain. But yeah, I think we can pretty Sassuolo much... are in blank. Yeah, exactly. We can pretty much conclude this just to highlight Sampdoria have had... Uh, you know, they looked much, much better than they did earlier. They made those two signings straight into the side. So that showed the situation that Sampdoria were in. And I feel like Nuiting brought a lot of stability in defense. And Lammers just brought some additional pace up front, something that was lacking significantly. I'll just take a point... From you, if you care to make one, bro, about the signings that they made, and then we can conclude this game. No, it all looked good over there. They got their first victory um, for a while. Um, their new signings definitely stepped up. You know, Nuiting brought some defensive stability, and Lammers brought something a bit different, something more energetic up front. I feel like um, Sampdoria looked pretty good this game. Agreed, um, man. They currently sit in 18th with nine points, while Sassuolo sit in 16th with 16 points. The next matches all ended 1-1. There was Torino-Verona, <laughs> there was Fiorentina-Monza, and Udinese-Empoli. For Torino, Miranchuk scored in the 64th minute. For Verona, it was Milan Juric who scored in the 45th minute. For Fiorentina, it was Arthur Cabral in the 19th, and Carlos Augusto equalized in the 61st. 
For Udinese, it was a Pereira goal in the 70th to equalize after a Tommaso Baldanzi goal in the third minute. Um, Akpa Akpro got his second red card of the season in the 79th minute. <laughs> um, some key stats from these games. Uh, Miranchuk is the first Torino player to score from outside the box since Josip Brekalo in my 2021 god. against Udinese. Oh my god. Yeah, Torino and Hellas Verona have drawn eight of their last 11 matches played against each other in Serie A. Wow. That was a bet. That, that was a bet. Francesco Caputo has returned to play in Serie A with Empoli 1,319 days after the last time. The last time he played for Empoli was against Inter in 2019. Jesus. The four matches played on Wednesday between Udinese and Empoli in Serie A all ended in a 1-1 draw. <laughs> <laughs> This was the first match played at 3 p.m. Pre 3 p.m., my God. In which Monza secured points in Serie A. In the previous eight games of this type played in the competition, they always collected a defeat. Oh my God. Gaetano Castrovilli was back and he also played his 100th match with Fiorentina in all competitions. Respect. Respect. So these are the games that, unfortunately for us, we didn't get to watch with so much care because so many games are happening at the same time. It was just, we selected the other games to watch, maybe the bigger games, the games that we found more exciting. One that I am in particular mad about not watching is Fiorentina Monza, especially because we had so, so many different predictions when we had Mintoff on, so on and so forth. It would have been interesting to see, but I believe we predicted a, a draw, you and I. So... Yeah. That's, that's cool. Um, yeah. <laughs> nice. That's going to win us money. <laughs> Cabral's goal, bro, was like prime Batistuta. Man, Cabral is so hype. He's so hype. He's a gas train. <laughs> he, he would be one of Zlatan's adrenaline brothers. <laughs> adrenaline brothers. <laughs> <laughs> Such a particular group of yeah. people. Like Galliani, Gattuso, and Zlatan <laughs> are the adrenaline brothers mentioned in Zlatan's adrenaline. Um, yeah, but... Caputo got back to not scoring ways to assisting ways because he set yeah. up Baldanzi on that goal nice to see Empoli with a fluid striker over there definitely interesting mm -hmm. um, yeah I mean interesting things all around we predicted that Verona would start to pick up over here yeah. and they drew to Torino right now yeah, let's see if this is a sign of better things to come Illich watch exactly Illich watch and Torino are a tough side to play against, especially away from home and for Verona to get one point from that outing. Now we've seen them get one point before. Now it's about finally getting some victories. So we'll see what they can do. Yeah. Matthias, if you're listening, by the way, do send me uh, your take on Verona if you watch the game or Empoli as well, because I know you love that team too. Yeah. Yeah. Either or, man. It's, it's great having someone like him who listens and takes interest in so yeah. many different teams and, and has so many good takes. So thank you for listening, brother. But I think for this episode, we're, we're done, pretty dude. much yeah. done. It's Obviously, a recap. Exactly. We're, we're going to be doing these a bit more often rather than grouping two match days together. We're going to do shorter episodes recapping the midweek games in a bit of a faster pace. You might start seeing that um, we'll still keep on giving you the same detail, but we're aiming that the episodes aren't no longer two hours, 20, mm. two hours, 30, and that they're a little bit shorter just so they're more consumable. Particularly these midweek episodes. The, exactly. Yeah, the ones off will still give you the extravaganza content. Exactly, exactly. But thank you very much for listening, guys. Don't forget Spotify, Apple Play, Google Podcasts, wherever you're listening, rate us however good you think we are. Um, follow us on our socials and we'll see you all very soon. Bye.